It is Christmas Eve, if you can believe it. We went through a series on Advent, and you heard each one of the Advent prayers that we have been praying together and and thinking through and considering. So as we start uh, this evening, this the the word portion, I want to pray for us. Almighty God, you have given us your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him. And this day to be born of a pure virgin, grant that we, being regenerate and made your children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through the same, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you. Amen. As we've looked through these prayers just been struck by the fact that these prayers that were prayed 500 years ago are still so powerful today. That we are, find ourselves praying the same thing. Sometimes with, with different language, you know, different, um, or a different vernacular for a different culture and a different time. But the same things. Praying that Jesus would return. Praying that, he would be, uh, that we would see him as the word become flesh. Praying that the light would shine and push back the darkness. Praying that he would dwell in us today in power. And praying today that we would experience the life that is offered that we see in the incarnation. There's a little phrase in that prayer. It says, he took our nature upon him. It's such a simple phrase to describe what is a massively complex and universe-altering reality. See, we know that the people of God were waiting for a Messiah and waiting for this day to come. They didn't even know what exactly they were waiting for, but they knew that God was going to do something amazing to deliver them. And they were waiting for a Messiah who would fulfill the offices of prophet, priest, and king. Those were the offices that the people of God followed and were led by. The prophet who spoke the words of God to God's people. The priests who atoned for the sins of the people through sacrifice. And the kings who ruled and reigned over God's kingdom on earth. And in the incarnation, where the divine becomes flesh, where Jesus is born as a baby, in the incarnation, Jesus fills all of these. He is our prophet, our priest, and our king. As prophet... He did not just speak the word of God, but he was the word. He is the word. The word become flesh, as Robbie preached on a couple of weeks ago. As king, he, he ushers in his kingdom, in the incarnation, in person, demonstrating his rule over all creation, whether through um, his, his dominion over illness or over demons or over um, all of nature, And as priest, he makes atonement for the sins of the people through his sacrifice. The author of the book of Hebrews says it this way. says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, look, there's all kinds of things, there's all kinds of ways to approach Christmas Eve. I could um, just share a a bunch of stories that would be relatable, it would make us laugh. Um, Some of you laugh. Most of you probably not, but I, I, could do, I could do those kinds of things. I could try to preach like this world-class sermon that would make you think of Christmas in some way that you never have before. But what I felt convicted of as I was praying over just what to do with this short time here, I just thought, man, if we just sat and considered the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, born of the Virgin Mary, living the life that we could not live, dying the death that you and I deserve to rescue us and reconcile us back to the Father. If we just spent some time to consider that, I think that would be the best use of our time. Because our Jesus is our priest, not from a distance, but very near to us. He has walked the same roads we've walked, tempted in every, yet, every way, yet without sin. It can be really tempting to feel like your life is like nobody could possibly understand what you're going through, and that other people who seem to have it more together, like they just, they're just wired in a different way, and you're just never going to be able to get it, and nobody's going to understand what it's like to struggle with sin in the way that you do, but our Jesus does. There's a saying that to err is human, but to forgive is divine. Statements like that are harmful in the church because they make us feel disconnected from Jesus. They make us feel like Jesus wasn't completely human because he was sinless. They make us feel like, okay, yeah, I know we have Jesus. We have this great high priest. And yes, I can ask for forgiveness. And yes, I can go to him. And yes, he clearly loves me demonstrating on the cross. But he'll never fully understand what it's like to be me. Or what it's like to be broken. I can't help but think he's just a little bit disappointed. But we know that's not the case. As a theologian once pointed out, he asked the question, who knows a fighter, a boxer, better. The opponent who goes 15 rounds and wins or the opponent who gets knocked out in the first 30 seconds? See, we think Jesus doesn't understand our sin because he hasn't sinned. And yet, Jesus understands temptation better than you and I ever will because he never gave in. You and I spend most of our lives knocked out cold on the mat while Jesus is actually has battled temptation to the very bitter end. He actually understands what it means to be human far more than you and I ever could. See, to sin is not human. We sin because our humanity is broken. We've been infected with sin. But in Jesus, we see humanity unstained by sin. The word become flesh. So being fully divine, Jesus shows us who God is. Being fully human, he shows us who we were made to be. 
This is really important. And the church has wrestled through this over the generations. But Jesus was not is, and is not superhuman. He is truly human. That's the exclamation point on the birth of Jesus. If Jesus didn't just fall down from heaven as a grown man going about and doing his ministry. He was born. How much more human can you get? See, you and I are fully human. We are fully human. But he, Jesus, is fully human and truly human. As we were meant to be. And he lived the life that we were meant to live. That's what we mean when we, when we say that. That Jesus lives the life that we were created to live. Whenever we see Jesus through the New Testament and watch what he does and how he speaks to people and how he lives, we should look at that and say, that's who I was made to be. That's who I was called to, to be like. That's, that's how God created me. But we are unable to because of our sin. Because through Adam, sin entered and infected us to our very core, to every, every bit about us. And so Jesus comes and he lives the life that we were made to live but were unable to. And here's the thing that we need to just let our brains just be wowed by this very simple fact that if you've grown up in the church, you have heard at least a million times and maybe in the million and first time God will show you something. But Jesus lives this perfect life and the credit for that life goes to you and goes to me. He lived the life. We get the credit. It's like a younger sibling's worst nightmare. You do the work and someone else gets the credit. Maybe it's probably older siblings. I'm a younger sibling, so I just think younger siblings are inherently better people. But some of you would disagree, which is fine. The Lord will point that out to you also. Um, there's, there's this trade that happens. Jesus lives this life and he takes something from us. He doesn't just give it for nothing. He takes something back from us. There's a trade. And what does he take in exchange? Our promises to do better? The few good works that we mustered up to just say, here, look at these? No, the trade is he takes our sin. That's the trade. Your guilt, your shame, your sin in exchange for his righteousness. It kind of makes you want to read the fine print. To say, how is that actually possible? And in fact, it's one, of the most, it's one of the most basic elemental truths of Christianity, and yet one of the things that we abuse and misuse and twist and ignore all the time for the very simple fact that it is so hard for us to grasp this. We just can't believe this is possible. And so we make new laws that we have to follow. New ways that we have to be, prove ourselves acceptable to God. New things that we have to do. New things that we have to say. All in some way to say, yeah, I know that there's this trade, but I also have to prove that I am worthy of it. You can't. I can't. The trade is clear. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 Paul says, 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why, as we said this past Sunday, Jesus increases in joy when the sinful come to him. Because it's why he came. Listen to me. And maybe, maybe you've never been here. Maybe, maybe you're, you're rarely at church. If that's the case, hear this clearly. Jesus Christ, when you come to him, he does not look at you in a disappointed way. He is joyful. When you come to him broken, it increases his joy because that's why he came. The reason for light is to push back the darkness. This is the hope we have in the incarnation. Not just wishful thinking of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It is the assurance that there will be peace on earth and it starts in our hearts. That there will be goodwill towards men because he has said it so. And that that goodwill towards us, that while we are yet enemies of God, he died for us. That that is the kind of love we are to then love others with. What he has promised to do in the world, he has started with us. To become who we were meant to be. And all of heaven is watching. Later in Hebrews 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God." In the letter to the Hebrews, you'll see these themes of prophet, priest, and king coming up. And they're full in, in this passage. But as we look at that here at the, at the end of 2020, we're just kind of sitting here and, and thinking, if you're like me, you might say that 2020 has been at least kind of a strange year. It's been a difficult year. People are really excited to put it behind us. I don't know if you've seen like all the articles and blog posts about like good riddance 2020, which is funny because 2019 was full of everybody being like organizations and churches and everybody being like 2020 is going to be amazing. We got 2020 vision. We're going to have all these big vision things. We're going to roll out all these different things. And God says, nope. You're going to, you're going to wear a mask all the time. You're going to be scared to give anybody a hug. Well, that actually describes a lot of you already, but that's, that's not here or there. They, like we said, like introverts were like rejoicing about this in the first few days. Like, hey, we're, we were made for this. I wouldn't know what that's like. I'm not an introvert. But even introverts are tired of it by now, I think. That we're just getting this place where we want it to be over. But unlike any other year that I can remember, there's less of a feeling, though, of turning the page. Everybody wants 2020 to be over, but it's not like on January 1st, 2021, all this stuff goes away. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Our country is still incredibly divided. What if, in the wake of all this division, all the controversy, that we as Christians stepped back 
and fully embraced the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And we would see Jesus not just as our deliverer, which he is, but also as our example of who we are called to be. What if this year we set aside every weight that clings to us and ran the race set before us? All those things that have clung to you this year, that have made it a struggle to love God and love others the way that you know you were made to do, the way you were called to be, the way that that you used to experience a joy, but in this year, maybe it, it unearthed all of these things, this fear or frustration or bitterness or resentment or jealousy. What if we took all that and we tossed it aside? Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the only true human who shows us how to walk in the faith. But if we really just immersed ourselves in how Jesus spoke to people, how he treated people, what he said about all kinds of things, what he seemed to value, how he shows love. Because after all, this is what Jesus did. He set aside every temptation, every temptation to abandon the Father, to abandon us, and he pressed on. Why? For the joy that was set before him. The joy of reconciling broken sinners, enemies of God, and reconciling them to become children of God. So we remember on this day that Jesus was born, a human being, and we see that and remember that we are born again as children of God by adoption through grace, not by works, but by the miraculous grace of our God. And we run the race of endurance by the power of God that is at work in us through the Holy Spirit. And as we run, we get stronger. As we obey in faith, he trains us and shapes us and makes us new miraculously from the inside out. And he is coming to complete the work he began. To reign over the new heavens and the new earth. This is what we remember about 2,000 years ago. This is what we experience today. And this is what we look forward to. Emmanuel. God with us. So no, this, this is not going to go down as the greatest Christmas message that you've ever heard. But that story and that message has already been proclaimed. It happened when God looked upon us and not willing to see us perish, sent his son and Jesus becomes flesh. The word becomes flesh. And for the first time, we not only hear the word of God, but we see it acted out. He becomes our priest. That he not only makes sacrifices for our people, but he is the sacrifice for his people 
And he is the great king ushering in his kingdom, of which we get to be a part. And he rules and reigns over it. And it starts out like a mustard seed here and now, and it will grow. And one day, it will be all we know. Provided that we might be born again as he lived the life that we were called to live but could not and died the death that we deserve so that we could be born again, dying to our sinful selves and taking on his righteousness. And we might become children of God, that we might become light in the midst of darkness for the good of all people and for his great glory and our unending joy. So I would encourage you to join me in praying this prayer. If this is your, the cry of your heart, then please pray it with me. Almighty God, you have given us your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and this day to be born of a pure virgin. Grant that we, being regenerate and made your children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through the same, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you. Amen. Our Father, please, would you let us see the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus? And if there are those in this room who do not belong to you through adoption by grace, Father, I pray that you would make yourself known to them in this moment and that they would turn to you. That they would realize that when they do, that they are not greeted with shame and guilt and despair, but they are greeted with forgiveness and grace and mercy. And that they would feel the weight of their sin be lifted from their shoulders. That they would feel the, the shackles of sin around their ankles and around their wrists being broken free. And that they would maybe glimpse right now in this moment a taste of freedom that is only found in you. Our prophet, our priest, our king, our Jesus. Amen.